What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 103. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Young. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. People always choose love, compassion, (laughs) respect. They almost always choose those same core things. Then they might choose a little outlier fitness, something like that. Great. But those core ones are there. And then, you know, it's like, are you living in alignment with those values? Welcome, veggie lovers. Happy Sunday. I hope that you are having a very plantastic day. I have such a beautiful episode for you today. I hope that it will touch your heart and make you feel good. And that after this episode, the call to action will resonate with you. Today, I'm talking to Jonina and Sarah from Lancaster Farm Sanctuary. But before I talk about them and what they do, please, if you haven't already, subscribe to my podcast so that you know when all of the episodes are released. We are doing bonus episodes every single week, lots of goodies for you. And also, if you have time, rate and review. I would appreciate it so much. It means a lot to me. Also. Don't forget about my newsletter. You can sign up in two ways. You can text the word fiber, F-I-B-E-R, to 66866, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash sign up. Thank you for all of you that have read my book, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, and another thanks to those that have left a review on Amazon. I appreciate it and it helps other people find the book. And I wanna read this five-star review from Amazon by Yasmin Moore. She titles it Insightful. Very well written with lots of well-thought-out information helped me understand more about what kids should be eating, why they should be eating it, and how to trust and be aware of their natural ability to understand their own hunger. The bonus is that it also helped me to look at my own eating habits differently and address some issues I have had. Wow, Yasmin, thank you so much. And I am so glad that it has helped you and your kids and how you feed your family and how you feed yourself and how you feel about yourself. That is huge. And I really, really appreciate it. Okay, so let's talk about the Lancaster Farm Sanctuary. So this is a farm sanctuary that is run by Jonina Terzi and Sarah Saluzzo in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. 
So Jonina was born and raised in Lancaster County and feels grateful for the connections about spirituality, wellness, yoga, and farm animals she learned about there. She is a co-founder of Lancaster Farm Sanctuary, a volunteer district leader for HSUS, and a doctor of physical therapy and yoga educator. She owns a private physical therapy practice in Lancaster City, where she provides functional manual therapy and a variety of postural and osteopathic interventions for chronic and complex pain, including visceral and cranial sacral therapies. She also owns West End Yoga, a yoga studio, and Yoga Sanctuary School, a yoga teacher training and continuing education business for wellness practitioners and serious yoga students. Sounds so fun. All right, Sarah Saluzzo is also from Lancaster County. She has a master's in media studies from the New School University and an MSW from Millersville University. She is a lifelong devoted friend to all animals. She is co-founder of Lancaster Farm Sanctuary, a volunteer district leader for Humane Society of the United States, and recently retired from her position as an inpatient rehabilitation drug and alcohol therapist. Sarah is a yoga practitioner with a long history of social activism. Sarah and Jonina are a couple and founded the sanctuary in an effort to better the lives of both humans and farmed animals in their community. And to find out more about Lancaster Farm Sanctuary, please visit lancasterfarmsanctuary.org or you can find them on Instagram at Lancaster Farm Sanctuary. So I started following Lancaster Farm Sanctuary on Instagram a while back. It's probably been at least a year and I've just I just fell in love and I just really felt called to have these ladies on the podcast so that you can hear about the work of farm sanctuaries, what the reality is like, what their needs are. And if you feel called to it to donate, but I think even if you can't financially contribute right now, listening to this podcast episode will teach you a lot. We'll bring out some of that compassion and empathy and at least get some good positive energy flowing for ourselves, each other, and for these special beings that we have a privilege of sharing the earth with. So I really hope that it resonates with you, that this brings you some good positive feelings today and that you feel called to action by the end of this episode. Now let's hear from Jonina and Sarah. Jonina and Sarah, I am so excited to have you both on Veggie Doctor Radio today. Hey, we're so excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, I've been following your Instagram feed. I don't even know how I found it. Probably because my last name is Lancaster and, you know, I kind of gravitated towards that. But I just have to say, I have absolutely fallen in love with your sanctuary and all of your beautiful residents. And I knew I had to make sure I got lots of sleep last night because I cry so much when I read the stories of yeah. hope and salvation and just the beautiful lives that you provide for the animals at your sanctuary. So before we even begin with the questions, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you do. Thank that's you. So yeah, that's very kind. Thank you for saying that. 
we're so excited to be here and uh, to talk with you and to share about our work. So thank you for having us. Awesome. Well, let's tell the listeners about your sanctuary. How did Lancaster Farm Sanctuary come about? We, uh, a few years ago, Sarah and I saw a need in our community. We had been doing some work with the Humane Society, HSUS. Um, we had worked on some important pieces of legislation for our state in helping to uh, protect animals here more. And we noticed that farm animals were literally excluded from these protections. Um, so all the work we had been doing, it literally stated, well, except for animals farmed for food or birds or chickens. Um, and we just thought, how can we help serve animals? Uh, how can we do more work advocating for animals farmed for food? And we thought that sanctuary um, magic and medicine was real. And uh, we we really saw that need in our community. Yeah. And we had been to other sanctuaries and thought um, it was actually just this glaring omission that in Lancaster, which is one of the most, you know, and this is a quote, right? One of the most agriculturally productive counties in the entire United States, that there was no representation of another way to interact with these beings, right? So you drive around here and it's like farm after farm after farm. And we're both from here, so it, it uh, now it's factory farm after factory farm after factory farm, and um, and people just uh, people aren't thinking about it, right? It's what everybody was raised with, and you just this is what you do, and uh, we we just wanted to be an example of another way of relating, you know, um, to these beings. So, yeah. and yeah. how long ago was that that you guys started decided to start it? Only like three years ago. Um, so we moved in here right at this time of year, three years ago. And then we took our first uh, rescues in, in October, it will be three years. So, um, wow. and I feel like we've really only gotten like really moving <laughs> in the past year. So I would say we were very deliberate to be slow at the beginning. So we didn't um, overwhelm ourselves mm -hmm. and, and make, you know, terrible mistakes. Right. So we yeah. wanted to learn and, um, just take our time and do it right. So, yeah, yeah. And I definitely want to get into that because whenever you have a sanctuary, I can imagine that it could get overwhelming very quickly, but did you both ever have an inkling that you would work with animals this way? Like whenever you were younger or was this just something that came out of the blue and you're like, all right, we're going to do this. You, you know, um, it's funny because I had no interest in farming again, where I went to high school, kids would sometimes ride their tractors to school. As Sarah mentioned, we're surrounded by farms. And I have to say it never occurred to me that I had an interest in farming I always say I have an interest in farm sanctuarying <laughs> and that was news to me. It wasn't until I even knew they existed or that they were possible. I was standing on one when I realized it was even possible. And then of course, yes, it felt like all these pieces of my life came together that I had not been able to make sense of until then. Yeah. And I was one of those kids that was always like, I want to be a veterinarian, <laughs> you know, I want to be a marine biologist. So, you know, you don't know any other options, but I knew I loved animals uh, as a kid. So, um, and then, 
you know, I worked with horses for a long time. And again, though, it was like, oh, like this is another possibility, right? We could do work like this. You know, when we actually visited Farm Sanctuary in Catskill um, that we felt inspired, you know, so it did feel, I think for both of us, it felt like this really makes sense, you know, um, but you don't know to like dream of something that you don't even know is possible you know at at the beginning so yeah Yeah. you had to be creative you had to think of something new that wasn't already there yeah it can be exciting but it can also be very challenging i imagine sure so both of you guys have other professions and other careers and you were trained in other things so how did you learn what was necessary to do this whole new you know area of study like you just you have to know things how did you prepare yourself for starting this farm sanctuary yeah so one thing well there were a bunch of things I think that we did um a lot of reading honestly just kind of studying reading um watching YouTube videos (laughs) oddly enough um and then we did go to a few trainings at other sanctuaries um and learned you know a lot about um kind of you know there's a piece of the animal care piece of things but then there's also marketing and fundraising and and we do everything so there was a lot to learn um so those trainings were helpful in kind of getting an overview um of the different facets of sanctuary work and then we have also been fortunate to have um some volunteers and board members that can fill in the gaps um, for the areas that we're not super savvy about, (laughs) you know, like technology, for example, you know, and and things like that. So we have people that were like, can you send out this MailChimp blast? (laughs) I don't know how to do it, right? So um, so that's been really important is to know uh, when you need to ask for help. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. But Sarah had been uh, involved with horses. She had some large farm animal care background that animal care piece was huge for us and Mm -hmm. so she had that piece um and then as sarah mentioned we went to multiple day trainings at uh large sanctuaries and kind of learned best practices because it is new science I, i really like that phrase it's new veterinary science relatively to look at the animal's uh health from a sanctuary perspective, it's, it had never been done before a few decades ago. Um, and so to even have best practices for when you actually want an animal to live as long as possible and enjoy life as much as possible, we went and took good notes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. All right. So, I mean, it's super romantic, right? I mean, especially <laughs> for people that love animals and, and longtime vegans and you think about, wow, it's so beautiful and you help these animals, you give them a good life. But I want to start with the parts that are the hard parts, the parts that are maybe not so pretty. So what do you each think is the hardest part of this kind of work? You want to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with a big sigh. <laughs> yeah. We, we wrote that down and I'm looking at it and then, you know, it's, you're so, I love talking to you, Dr. Yami. I'm just going from the top of my head and heart here. For me, actually, it is having to say no so often and facing the uh, the vastness of um, the horrific and dire circumstance that farmed animals are in. So 
just every day here on our on our sanctuary multiple trucks pass by our driveway per day of birds you know we we see slaughter trucks passing constantly with cows and pigs and to to have met these animals as individuals sometimes we're in the pasture you know hanging out with um one of our residents and then you see a truck of their kind drive by and you're it's just this disconnect and you feel like well am i doing enough is this you know so it's that it's facing the looming uh vastness of what we're up against that's really hard yeah absolutely i think that's the hardest thing so there's you know the obvious which is that it's uh tiring and you know you don't really get free time anymore um but the yeah definitely the the biggest um like weight i think is just the psychological you know reality of like what you know we're like this little especially here we're like this little tiny drop in this ocean of exploitation that is surrounding us in every direction that you look i mean from our sanctuary we hear continually the sounds because there's dairies all around us of you know mother cows like bellowing in in grief you know for their babies being taken away you can hear that from our farm all day long and it's just it's it sucks you know so that's hard that's really heavy because it's almost like you constantly feel like you're not doing enough yeah like and that's hard to keep your heart in the game and stay joyful whenever you just yeah. constantly feel like it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we're working on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. spiritual so. practice right there. Yeah. No, I think that's important because obviously we're talking about creatures and beings and what some people would call other people. They're just non-human yeah. people. But this feeling can apply to so many different parts of our lives. And sure. I think it leads to the same thing. Whenever we feel like we're not enough, we're not doing enough, we're not contributing enough, it kind of sucks the life out of what we're already doing. Yeah. So I want to validate that, but I also want to tell you that from my perspective, because yeah, I don't sure. have a sanctuary at all, I yeah. think you're doing so much. So from yeah. what the rest of us see, because yeah. we're not in your shoes, um, it's important for you guys to realize that. But I want to go back to what Sarah was saying about the work and how tiring it is. Tell me about what a day looks like at the farm, the chores. I want to know about like, do you ever get to take a day off? Do you get to go on vacation? What is life like for you now? Yeah, Uh, it's so funny. I was talking to my friend the other day and I said, how did this happen? Like, I'm someone who likes to travel and I want to just like read a book and drink a cappuccino at a cafe, you know, and it's like, now this is my life and it's crazy. And, uh, you know, there is, it's, it's nonstop. We wake up at 5 a.m. and we get started and we um, go to bed, you know, we come in at 7 p.m. and it's just, it's all day long every day. And that's just what it is. And it's not, so much of it is so, fun and wonderful. I mean, right now we're waking up at 5 a.m. because we have a little lamb, Orville, that we rescued recently. And that's when he starts to cry and he wants his bottle in the morning, right? So it's not like, oh God, I have to get up. It's like, oh my gosh, Orville's crying. I like run down, excited to see him and make his bottle, you know? So um, I don't want to sound like it's just like a drag, but it is definitely, definitely tiring. And we are working on finding 
balance. We're really blessed that we have, we have a lot of great volunteers so that um, this, it makes it possible for us to do this at all. Um, so we, you know, occasionally we'll, well, pre-quarantine, you know, we would get to a movie uh, or dinner or something, but before, you know, before starting this, we were like, let's go to Costa Rica, let's go to Cuba, let's go do this. Like, we, that's how we lived, you know, and now we're like, oh, well, that's over. <laughs> right? So, and that's all right, you know, this is what we're up to now. So it's, it's just a different way. And I think in a few years, hopefully, once we get a little more well established, and maybe we're able to hire a couple of people, then we can go back to at least maybe once a week, or once a week, once <laughs> a year going on a vacation, uh, doing something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Jonina? Yeah, I mean, and we really do, we kind of go with the sun, which is cool. So when the sun rises, things are starting, and when the sun goes down, so even those times can change, like winter, we noticed, oh, we're actually in by 6 p.m. <laughs> uh, so it was, it's, it's neat to have those rhythms of like kind of a day really being the animal's schedule. But yeah, that's very different from your modern, uh, what you thought of as modern culture for sure. Yeah. Wow. Super interesting. So what, what other kind of chores do you have to do? So I hear about Orville and needing his bottle. <laughs> sounds like, sounds like having a baby in the house, you know, you got to feed the baby. Yeah. What other things do you have to do around the farm? Yeah. So we kind of a regular day for us is to wake up and we feed everyone uh, breakfast and then we clean um, a lot of the enclosures. And um, we also try to spend some time with them, like, you know, just talk to them, check on them, you know, see how they're doing that day. That's so important um to you know just kind of um I mean like I said check on them mm -hmm. it, it's like sometimes somebody that seemed okay yesterday might appear a little lethargic that day like you have to be really on top of those types of uh things you know if there's an injury or an illness uh you need to be able to get them care right away so we definitely do that um every morning mm -hmm. and then um we take, we have a sheep, Zach, who has a um, chronic neurological disorder. So he needs help to walk. And we actually hold him and take him out for a walk every morning. So um, he loves that. <laughs> and uh, he, we just kind of, you know, hold his like rear and help him balance. And he does the rest, you know, but so he doesn't fall over. Um, and that's, you know, a 30 minute thing that we do a couple times a day and, uh, yeah, just cleaning and socializing. I mean, they, you know, everybody jokes. It's like one of the volunteers last night was like, it's so funny when you guys like come out and it's mealtime, everybody's like, mom, 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 because she has a few kids. And she said, you know, they just all start yelling for you guys, like, come over, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, you know, and it's yeah. just like, so you have to make sure everybody gets, you know, time and attention. Yeah, uh, it's really cute. But, it yeah. And that's just animal care. So yeah. then again, <laughs> right. by then, it's like midday, then usually volunteers would come now that we're 
having help again. So then there's some larger cleaning projects that they help with. We, we did like the small enclosure, but then there's a larger project pretty much each day. And then maybe some computer time for fundraising. Like right now we're, you know, writing letters uh, because we're moving to a bigger farm. We could talk about that. But, you know, so there's a lot of uh, that fundraising piece and the administrative tasks that make it go. Uh, and by the time you're even halfway done with those, it's time for evening chores. And then we start all over with a new meal and another walk and, and physical therapy for little Orville massaging his leg. Let's just talk about Orville the whole time. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's therapeutic care as, as in addition to just the basic essential and critical tasks of food, health checks, and cleaning. Yeah. Wow. There's so much that go into it. How many residents do you guys have right now? And tell us what types of animals you have at the sanctuary. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. We have a little over 60 animals here now. We wow. have cows. I always say sheeps. We've got sheep, <laughs> goats. We've got uh, pigs. We've got two types of pigs, the big pink, like uh, the industry type pigs, and then some pot-bellied pig, piggy brothers. Uh, we've got turkeys, ducks, and two types of chickens, very different types of birds. So uh, the type that are bred for their eggs and the type that are bred for their flesh. Wow. That's so interesting. And I love how you post about your new residents and give us their story and then you're able to show their progress. And yeah. it really just highlights how important you are to helping them feel better and live a joyful life. So 60 animals. I didn't know you had that many. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then when we move, it's going to be even more. So oh, yeah, it's like, I mean, well, again, we'll be careful that we don't, you know, overwhelm ourselves. But yeah, we're excited about that to be able to well, rescue you. You know, speaking of overwhelm, this isn't free. You know, it costs money to take yeah. care of animals. Like you said, they have to eat, you have to groom them. Uh, and then sometimes they get sick, or when they come in, sometimes they're very sick. Yeah. So tell me about the kinds of expenses you have and how do you pay for that stuff? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, there's uh, animal care expenses that are fixed, you know, like food and bedding, variable types like vet care. Some animals require much more regular. Uh, we have a veterinarian or two that comes to the farm. Um, and then there's just area maintenance, fencing and housing and repairs. Um, then there's... Uh, there's the expense of, we just now have recently switched to having an employee. We have Sarah as the, <laughs> as the executive director. And so we have our first time ever having a payroll uh, individual, a salaried employee, very meager salary, but there's, yeah. um, that was critical for us. It was in October of 2019. We switched from both of us having very full time jobs additionally to this, to Sarah being it was too much. Full time at the helm. Yeah, it just absolutely had to happen. And then once it happened, we're like, how did we even for one day <laughs> function without someone here doing this full time? So yeah. those expenses, the the money it comes from donations and from community support. We've tried to have in the past, we had physical events and um fundraiser dinners and we did sanctuary yoga, cooking classes and lectures and tried to have different um interfaces where we were not only serving our mission and having humans engage with animals here, 
but also in ways that would make money and help us cover the expenses of, of animal care and the function. Yep. Yeah. And obviously with the coronavirus, that's put a damper on some of those fundraising activities. So hopefully you'll be back on track soon, especially yep. with the move. So yeah. one of the things I have been curious about is, you know, I've heard about just like you were talking before that running a farm sanctuary, like I said, sounds romantic, sounds really fun. And a lot of people just have the heart for it, but sometimes people go into it and they go too far and then it actually can be harmful to animals. So how can donors that want to support sanctuaries that are doing it right, find out about the quality of a farm sanctuaries and which ones to support financially or through their volunteer hours? How can they find out about that? Yeah, so there's no really good answer to that question. I think um, in our experience, if you pay attention to social media, and I think just think critically about what you're seeing, um, that's the best way. You know, um, people, there's so many people, like you said, that have the heart for it and definitely are well-intended, um, but are not really doing right um, by the animals. And then there are, you know, of, of rescues. I mean, there are a couple around here where it's like, they're not even vegan, you know, and that makes absolutely no sense. Like they're having literally like hot dog and hamburger, like cook, you know, cookouts to like raise money to save other animals. I mean, Horses, that's just, yeah. yeah, right. So um, that's something surely you want to uh, look at and pay attention to like, um, what are, you know, what are you supporting in that way? Um, I think, you know, it's maybe like you said, volunteering and just getting to know um, the sanctuary and seeing firsthand, um, you know, how they handle things, how they care for the animals uh, is another way to know. Mm -hmm. um, in our experience with, with many of the sanctuaries we've been to, um, a lot of the larger sanctuaries have some decent funding already, which, which is great. Um, but I mean, those larger sanctuaries are a, a lot of them that we've seen. I don't want to make blanket statements, but they're doing tremendous work, you know. And so, um, I think that's really awesome. But yeah, you gotta, you just gotta think, right? And look beyond uh, a cute little animal uh, video that you might be seeing to, you know, patterns um, in behaviors and what are their messages and you know what resonates with you. So. Mm -hmm different messages are going to resonate with different people. We're really interested in the way um, different forms of oppression are interrelated. And, you know, that's something that's important to us too in, in messaging. And that's something we love to see other sanctuaries talk about. Um, so, you know, maybe that's important to someone and then that's the kind of sanctuary they want to support. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, everything Sarah said. And um, a lot of times if you look, you can, you can sometimes catch, if you read in the language, for, perhaps in social media or on their website, um, whether it's really animal centered design, if, if the, if the 
structures and uh, behaviors are based on the animal's best interests, or if it's still kind of that savior complex thing that you hear about a lot, where is this really about the human being the savior? Is that what's, is that what's mostly happening or driving things here? Or is the driving uh, practice empathy with the animal and trying to make decisions based on their best lives? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's, that's pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So a lot of people have been hit financially during the pandemic, and so they may not be able to make financial donations right now. So how else can people support farm sanctuaries besides monetary? Yeah, Um, volunteering, definitely. Um, But again, during this time, like we're not taking new volunteers. I'm sure most sanctuaries probably are not. So another thing that is, you know, might seem small, but is actually really helpful is just like following on social media and maybe sharing um, content, you know, sharing posts, um, you know, making comments, reaching out. Um, But that's, that's been really helpful to us. You know, we um, are relatively new. And so that's how we've built this community is, is so much just through this kind of grassroots, like friends telling friends and sharing about things. And then, um, you know, we've built this really wonderful community here and that's, you know, that's how it happens. So, and that, that's nothing, you know, that barely takes any time or energy and certainly doesn't take any money, but it makes a big difference. So, yep. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, social media, just because I know how important it is to what I do as well. Sure really important for other people finding you. I mean, I found you, I'm in Washington yeah. state. So yeah. if I wouldn't have found you, if you weren't on social media, so even yeah. though it is another task to add to your very long tasks of things to do, and yeah. hopefully you can also have volunteers that help you with that, but it is very important. So all the listeners out there, you don't have the funds right now. If you can't actually go to Pennsylvania and help their sanctuary, you can at least follow and share comments so that you can help spread the word to other people. Absolutely. So we talked about the hard stuff, the reality of running a sanctuary. I want to know from both of you, what's the best part about running a farm sanctuary? It's the animals. (laughs) It's spending time with the gang. Um, There is just nothing. I mean, you know, so as I guess, as we all know here, uh, probably your listeners are listening for a reason um, to see not just, you know, not just the ones that are already doing well, but to meet someone who's been through a really tough time and the transformation um, to have an animal come from a case where humans equaled pain or humans were abusive and to watch them open up and trust. And 
it's just a miracle. Like there is like that transformation, that settling in, that belonging. And then of course, like you can't help but feel good because you're a part of it. And it just, it makes your heart feel so big and it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much uh, joy in seeing them be happy, (laughs) you know? And like, I imagine we don't have, we don't have human children, but I wonder, you know, that's gotta be kind of what it's like, like, Oh, look, like, so-and-so is making friends, you know, with so-and-so and they're hanging out together and they seem to really like each other. It's like, you know, it's so funny. Yeah, look, we joke. Charlotte the pig went out for the school play. That's so exciting. <laughs> it's funny, but we joke like it's, it's, it is funny because they're so complex, you know, and people don't that's one of the biggest things that surprises people i think we've actually been giving a lot of virtual tours um to corporations and other um, people privately during this whole uh quarantine thing and people are always like so surprised to see the complexity you know you go into the goat barn and you see it's always like the families are in little clusters like this mom's laying with her daughters and this mom's laying with her daughter. And here's Abby, the sheep with her son and her daughter. Like they love to spend time together and just, you know, they sleep on a pile together and things like that. And it's also just cool to share, like there's joy in sharing their joy with other humans and watching the light bulb kind of come on uh, with people too. So that's another part of it, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's so fun. And we always joke about the chickens, like they're on like a soap opera. <laughs> like there's so much <laughs> drama all the time. Like who's fighting with who? <laughs> like what's happening this day? Oh yeah. And um, it's fun. Like we just, we joke about it all the time. And, and uh, so that's nice for us too. It, it lightens things up. And yeah. And it's that word you use, Dr. Yami, there's joy and yeah. it's contagious. Like, so maybe at first it's, it's looking at a tough situation and dealing with some wounds and some trauma, but joy happens. Like, you know, you just make space and then it's this contagious miracle. I said that word already, but, but it's really, it's life, you know, and it can be joyful when we sanctuary work can be so liberating for joy. Yeah. And you don't always know what's going to happen, but I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling the story of Luna, because Luna is just one of my favorites. I don't know if she just captured my heart and, and talk about what happened to her, why she first came in and how she's progressed during her journey. Yeah. So Luna is a sheep. Um, and in February, mid-February, um, so just three months ago. Uh, one of our board members and some friends of hers were at uh, New Holland auction, which everybody here knows what that is, but for your listeners, um, so very close to where we are is the largest quote unquote livestock auction on the East Coast. So it is this massive, you know, horror show of a place. And uh, they were there and they were just kind of looking through at the animals and you're not allowed to um you know really take photos or document anything so it's all you know you get it and um and they saw this sheep in a pen and um kind of took notice of her 
and made a lap and came back and noticed she was just in the same spot that she had been. And in the pen with her were two dead babies. So she had birthed these babies and our vet from looking at the photo was under the impression that one had been stillborn and one was probably alive at birth and then died uh, shortly thereafter. And Luna was um, unable to move. I mean, she couldn't stand up, but she couldn't even like lift her head up, you know, by when she got to us. So, um, so anyway, they saw her in there and they asked one of the workers, could we please take this sheep? And he, for whatever reason, and oddly said yes. And so they ran and got a tarp and got her out of there. And, and uh, our board member friend made a comment that he, he had said, you probably won't see me here next time you're here. Meaning he was afraid that he was going to get in trouble uh, for letting them take Luna out of there. So um, anyway, they got her out, called me and said, we're bringing this sheep over. She's in a terrible uh, state. And so I got off the phone, called the vet. I said, can you please come right away? We have an emergency. She came over. Luna got here. When they opened the car door, I thought, she's not going to make it another hour. Um, she just, she actually just looked dead already in the back of the car. Um, so we got her out. The vet arrived right then. A lot of, you know, emergency care. And, um, she was, well, you saw the photos, but I mean, she was filthy. She smelled so terrible. You could smell infection on her and then you could just smell feces and urine. She had just blood and infection coming out of her body um, from the birds and she couldn't move at all. And it was just so, so sad. It was just the saddest thing. And you texted me, I was finishing up my therapy clients and you texted me about her that she was coming and then you sent a follow-up text and said she might not make it but we're just gonna surround her with love and this might you know this is just what we could do for her was put her in the sunshine and be around her while she passes yeah but to make a long story short you know three months later she's like now in charge yeah of the <laughs> yelling at people outside probably right now um so a lot of veterinary care for her. The vet was here almost every day um, that first week and, and still um, making follow-ups. But um, we managed with kind of devising this sling that we suspended um, from the barn rafters to her um, on her feet. It was a lot of work, like different steps in between. Um, but, you know, we got her standing, we got her eating and drinking, eventually we got her walking, and it's just, it is just so crazy. I mean, she is so strong, and she has this, like, vivacious kind of spirit, like, it's, it's really wild to, to remember what she had been like. Um, and to know that that was all in there, you know, and she just needed some love and some care. And, you know, they were going to shoot her. He, he told them, told them that, that they were, the plan for her was just to shoot her that night and be rid of her. Um, and so, you know, she has many years of life left um, in her. 
she does have a form of um, pneumonia, which you can see when she gets stressed, she does kind of, her breathing gets a little labored. Um, and she is definitely still traumatized. She is very fond of um, you, me. She is. And so she'll cry, you know, for me and I'll just go and hold her and put my head to her head and she quiets down and she just wants me to touch her face and tell her it's going to be okay. And, but it's interesting because now she is letting other volunteers do that too. And that's a change. And I think we'll just continue to see these changes with her that she becomes a little more open and trusting um, and hopefully, um, you know, more relaxed. And so, but she's doing really great. And we yeah. can't wait to see at the new farm, you know, just see her in a big field. And hopefully the hope is to get some other, adopt some other sheep, maybe even from a bigger sanctuary um, that adopts out that have the same condition, which is contagious, so that they can just have their own herd mm. and uh, all have their little pneumonia thing together. <laughs> you know, no problem. Um, it goes so. into remission. Like she hasn't yeah. had respiratory symptoms per se. When she's stressed, her breathing does look labored, but she used to cough a lot. She used to have a productive respiratory symptom yeah. that's been gone that's for months. Sense. Yeah. So we're cautious because the last thing we want to do is put her, you know, spittle around others. Um, but, uh, but it's great. She's, she's literally, literally running now and, yeah. and bouncing around and she is so strong. We were doing a hoof trimming or something and she knocked both of us over. Like this girl is like, she's strong. Yeah, she's yeah. really great. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just been so inspiring to see her story from the beginning because I had already been following you when her story started at the sanctuary yeah. And to see the true emotion that animals experience, because you can yeah. tell at the beginning, not only was she hurting physically, but she yeah. was hurting emotionally yeah. and she Absolutely. lost her babies and she was yeah. depressed. But you believed in her and you supported her through her healing. And, you yeah. know, it's only been a few months, so I can't even imagine what yeah. it might be like next year. Yeah. You know, we had yeah. even more time to adapt. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. Can't wait to see. Yeah. <laughs> Just to give an idea, because it sounds like she needed pretty intensive vet care. Like, how much does that cost? It's a few thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, a couple thousand dollars, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was frequent. So you're talking a couple hundred bucks a pop, you know, yeah. and the vet was here a lot. Um, and then, you know, just the sling and some special things that she required um, additionally. So, and she did get a lot of medications and, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And it would be hard to quantify hours too. So it's special <laughs> care and uh, to keep her boundary from others, you know, we're constantly having to monitor her location relative to others for their safety and and yeah for theirs <laughs> yeah. but uh so it's like those it's it's staff and it's um shelter and it's those are hours that add up to yeah. yeah what do you think is the biggest myth about running a farm sanctuary i think which we touched on earlier when we were laughing you know but it is 
everybody says to us, you're living my dream. <laughs> and um, it's funny. And of course, it looks like that when you watch a video, <laughs> you know, but it's like, um, it's exhausting. And um, you are in it. You're in it. There's no going back, you know, and so you have to realize that most likely, you know, every single day of the year, <laughs> you're waking up and you're pretty much doing the same thing over and over. Um, we don't ever sleep in. Um, you are ne you never get a sick day unless you're like really, really, you know, down and out, which has happened, I think, one time. Um, I mean, you just push through and you just do what you have to do. So um, it's you miss out on like a lot of social events and other things going on. So, I mean, this is your life. Like this is what you're up to. And so it seems very um, romantic and sweet and fun. And then, you know, it's kind of like somebody, somebody told a friend of ours um, that if you want to, if you want to start a farm sanctuary, uh, volunteer at another sanctuary every day for a year and once you've done that volunteer every day for another year <laughs> and then decide if you want to start a farm sanctuary because that's the reality of it so yeah we didn't do that <laughs> but no but we 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 were dedicated um to the cause so much just exactly that that, that it's that it is and it is romantic and we focus on the positives because that's where we think we're having the great impact from it and because it's what keeps us going um and then so we find ourselves talking about those things and reinforcing this it is a beautiful hour or three a day that aren't that stressful if we're lucky we, we get time to just be with them and then the rest of it is so hard that it, not many people would think of that as their dream yeah yeah, yeah. wow well, I'm glad that you answered that. So speaking of the the fun parts, which animals have impacted each of you emotionally the most? Oh, it's so hard to <laughs> say, but honestly, just like when we were talking about Luna earlier, I felt like, you know, I could cry just like sharing about her story. Um, and also, yeah, you can talk about Stanley yeah, yeah we um we thought Luna and Stanley we wrote those answers down for, to talk to Dr. Yami so Stanley was a goat is a goat was a goat who was one of our first uh rescues and he had a neurologic condition and we bottle fed him and he had you know there's so many layers to having loved him known him supported him and then lost him we um supported the end of his life uh, on January 6th was his last day here. So Stanley was good, <laughs> so good. So there's layers to it because it's not just having loved him and lost him, but that he was so good. Like you couldn't, you could not meet him and not notice what a funny, quirky, <laughs> cool guy he was. He was just objectively like all the best things you could be. And that he would, you know, there's layers to it. There was the fact that he would have been killed for meat if he had been healthy. He would have been dead, you know, before 
he died. And then there was this neurologic problem. So there's like this layer of weird ableism in our culture because just because he was a little weaker, you know, his legs worked, they just didn't work as well. And because of that, he was going to be left in a field to die. And luckily someone intervened and got him here. So there's all these layers of injustice and just it's messed up the system he was born into and the body um, that made him less than. And I'm sorry, having met him, I've met lots of people. He was just as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah. So just, and just to be grateful that we knew him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. It sounds like he touched you so deeply. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. Well, which resident is a fan favorite? Who gets the most likes? <laughs> um, you know, I will say what? That's, who would we say? I honestly think, um, and it has been interesting for me to see that it is Luna. I yeah. would say like Luna captured so many people. And I think that's actually like something that kind of lifts my spirit a little bit because it wasn't a cute little baby. Like everybody loves Orville, of course, and he's so adorable, you know, <laughs> and we love him so much. And he does get, you know, he gets a lot of attention, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that. Like it's, it was this old sheep, you know, that was treated like garbage by humans. And I think because people, too, that photo of her in the pen with her dead babies, you know, that I think was so eye-opening and so poignant and powerful. And people saw that and they, you know, really, really connected to her suffering. And for whatever reason, you know, so many people hold so much pain, but many people messaged us and said, like, I really feel connected to her. You know, I saw that photo and that really resonates with me so who knows what their stories are but that you know people connected to that and I think people felt like there's so much shit in this world you know and it's like but she is making it and so that gives people hope you know I think that gives people hope and so that um yeah I really love that because it isn't you know it isn't just like the cute little baby goat or whatever you know that that um people connected to they connected to this old cast off you know filthy lice ridden sheep you know <laughs> and like that's powerful mm -hmm. so yeah and and to have had a mothering uh a type of abuse that's specific to mothering too that feels really yeah uh powering I would have said too, you said it wasn't the babies, but baby piglet Shelby <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, blasted into our lives last year. There's a, we, we got, we all had the privilege of getting to care for a little baby piglet who came out of nowhere. She was all by herself walking down the middle of the road. She was a little scratched and bruised, but here's this like 15 pounds of bright pink sass. <laughs> Some good Samaritans scooped her up and got her here that same day. And so our followers have gotten to you know grow watch her grow and yeah. Shelby the piglet now Shelby the 250 pound <laughs> she likes to jump on your back when you're sitting on the ground look out Shelby Shelby will will also steal your heart she's a she's a favorite as well yeah oh I love that yeah she she was a, a fighter and a survivor huh she was yeah. like 
Heck I'm yeah. Well, what do you wish more people knew? Um, you want to, you want to answer? Yeah. Oh gosh. I really love your questions. So if you don't mind, I'll just get a little deep here. This is what (laughs) I wish people knew. I wish people could see the link in humanity's deep history going way back to when we switched from foraging, uh, some hunting, you know, our, that, that deep history for humanity had a major fork in the road. And when we switched to owning other animals, confining their movements, building fences around them, appropriating mothers and family bonds, selling them, selling individuals, and putting a price on their head. I think that that deep history where humanity switched to supremacy and superiority outside of just hunting, outside of ecology, we're talking about dominion instead of care and stewardship. And I I know that gets real deep and spiritual, but I think that that was such a violent and, and dangerous and psychologically unstable step that we evolved we all took. It's no one's fault. It's not one group of people's fault. Let's not point fingers at the animal farmers. They're doing what their parents did and their grandparents did. And that we together collectively as a species could heal so profoundly by owning this collectively, uh, what we call speciesism and, and the superiority myth, that the myth that we're cruel. Well, where does that come from? Are we cruel or have we been handed these set of practices that we don't question? And it, it, it confuses us about who we are with respect to nature. Yeah, totally. And it's related to all other forms of violence and supremacy, right? So it's, it's like the birthplace of that, right? Competition rather than, you know, cooperation and, um, yeah, it's yeah. powerful. So and I and I love what you said, Jonina, about how it's not really anybody's fault because I come from a family of farmers. So you yeah. probably don't know, but my family in Panama, they're dairy farmers and pretty significantly so. <laughs> so yeah. and my uncle is very deeply involved with helping other farmers be successful. So it's a big impact there. But like you said we learn what's passed down to us. That's how we become socialized. That's how we know what to wear and how to act and how to talk. It's all passed down to us. But what I want to ask of you, listener, is to really get into your heart and just really listen. And I want to give you permission that it's okay to deviate, to follow, what you feel is true to your heart. Because I think that's the hard part, right? So whenever I first became vegan, it's uncomfortable. You have this cognitive dissonance that's like, everybody says you need to eat meat, you should eat meat, that's what everybody else does. Not just for the health reasons, because I'm a physician, so that was hard too, but also because that's just what we do. I mean, as humans, we kill other animals. You know, lions kill animals, we kill animals. So whenever you deviate from that, it's really scary because it's going away from what the majority is saying, but that's whenever you start finding true freedom to follow your values, to follow (laughs) what really is important for you. So if you're starting to feel that, pay attention to it and it takes courage, but I promise you can do it. And once you do it, it becomes easier in so many other places of your life. 
Yeah. Yes. And you just said exactly what we talk about constantly and even your word choices. And I just think that's like incredible. That's it. You know, that's it because people do often. So I historically, you know, worked as a therapist and I worked in drug and alcohol, inpatient rehab. um, And one of the main things that you do as a practice there is I would give my clients a sheet of paper with all these values written down on it, right? So a hundred different words, you know, different values. And I would say, I want you to take the time and choose for yourself, like sit with this and choose for yourself, which of these values feel important to you. And if the ones that feel important to you aren't on there, write them on there. People always choose love, compassion, (laughs) respect. They almost always choose those same core things. Then they might choose a little outlier fitness, something like that. Great. But those core ones are there. And then, you know, it's like, are you living in alignment with those values? Mm -hmm. No, if you're in rehab, (laughs) you know, you're not more, more often than not, Mm -hmm. but that ties to the, you know, eating animals thing totally. And it ties to this like epidemic of depression and anxiety and all this stuff that is going on in our society and even globally we feel one way in our heart and then we're acting a different way and it screws us up. Right. And that's just so awesome that you just talked about yeah. that, you know, cause we talk about it and we're like, this is going on. Right. And like, I mean, that's what you would, the next question that you said you were going to ask us, you took Sarah's answer. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it. You said it. Yeah, totally. It's values. And Sarah even taught me this phrase, she calls it values sickness. And it's what you just described, I guess. But, you know, we, we are loving beings, I think. I mean, we've seen that over and over with the animals here and we're just complex animals and um, we're loving. It's just, we have to accept that. We have to accept that anytime we don't live in alignment with that, it's going to hurt us. We get sick. We're sick right now, right? We're in a pandemic quarantine you know, I know it gets really abstract and grand, but um, it is really kind of that simple that what we reap, we sow and what we're putting out there. And, and if we're not putting out love, it's going to hurt us. <laughs> we, our hearts don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so important. So many wonderful things that can come out of this. And I hope that the listeners are also gaining that from this conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah. this has been so great, Jonina and Sarah. Before we leave, I want you to tell the listeners how they can connect with you, specifically how they can also donate to your farm sanctuary. And if you want to tell us a little bit about the move, that would be great too. Yeah, thank you so much. So we are Lancaster Farm Sanctuary. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And then we also have our website, which if you can't remember, you can just link to it on Instagram or Facebook, Um, but it's LancasterFarmSanctuary.org. And on there, you'll see like as soon as you open the website, um, there's a banner there about our move. So we are moving at the beginning of next month. So very soon. 
Um, and part of that is, um, you know, we, we need to build a new shelter, a new barn um, for some of the residents, and we need to update some of the fencing on the new property. So um, any donations that come in, you know, at this time are going directly to um, making those things happen. So we're kind of running a small capital campaign to get the barn built um, and get the fencing taken care of so um, so that they can, you know, have have a nice new place to and not fancy, but, you know, like safe and um, secure for them. So we're so thrilled about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, hopefully one day soon <laughs> you know if it when it becomes safe uh we can't wait to have visitors out uh to our sanctuary again so and we are going to have a second um tiny house on this property and so we'll do farm stays and other events like that so yeah definitely follow us and like you know stay tuned for what's what's happening awesome. i'm yeah. so excited i saw that you guys were going to to you know, rent out the house, the little tiny house. Yeah. So I'm gonna put my reservation in for next hey, summer. Hey. By then we yeah. can all travel. But I'm going. I'm well, going. You, there. you should just come. Maybe you know we love having people come as like guest speakers and organizing community talks like that. I mean, you should just come do something like that at the farm and just you can just stay with us. We would love Done. to have. Done. Yeah. Hey, no, awesome. Anybody cool. ask me to speak, pretty much I say yes. So And and for the listeners, I just want you guys to know these ladies, they're doing amazing work. They're genuine, they're authentic, they are fighting the hard fight to take care of these animals. So if you have some extra funds, if you have time, I know it takes a little effort. I'll make sure I link everything so that you can donate please donate to their farm sanctuary. I know it would mean so much to them and it would mean even more to all the beautiful residents they have there. Yeah, Thank totally. You. <laughs> Thank you right. so much. You're welcome. Last thing is I want you to leave us all with a call to action for the week. What is one thing that my listeners can do to improve their lives this week? Of course, besides donating to the sanctuary. Yeah, <laughs> of course. So, you know, really what, what you said earlier, I think one simple thing is maybe just spend some time with yourself reflecting on what it is you value, right? Just do that for yourself and think about that. It's for nobody else to choose for you, right? So some of it requires some kind of like shaking off some old baggage or what you've been told, you know, should be important to you and just really sit, you know, whether it's prayer or meditation or whatever works for you and thinking about those things, right? And just think about like now do your actions line up with with what you value, right? And how can you make shifts? You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. Um you know, but I think that's so, so, so powerful and so healing um, from an individual level to a community level to a global level, right? If we were, if we were thinking about that more, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, on this podcast, I focus a lot on habits and behaviors that improve our well-being and our joy. And this exercise helps for so much re- your yeah. parenting, your relationship yeah. with your career, with your yeah. free time. Totally. I mean, you're a person that values peace and rest, but you're spending, you know, 
50 hours a week, just like being crazy, then maybe that doesn't line up. So I think that this can be a very deep, can be a very grounding exercise that it doesn't have to take too long. And in fact, when I first did this, I kind of just meditate on it every day for a week. Yeah. So I actually started writing down and organizing my yeah. values, my top five values from one to five, because, you know, I'm kind yeah. of OCD that way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah that's great, great. great call to action. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ladies, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for everything that you do. I can't wait to meet you in person and all the yeah, rest likewise. Of likewise. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, so, you much. so much. I hope you have a plantastic day. Yeah, yeah you, too. you too. Thank you. All right, take care. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.